We are soul sisters. Walk alongside us as we take you through this journey of sisterhood. Join me, Jenna Urban. And me, Tara Machaco, as we walk in each other's shoes and explore our very different lives. Grab your soul sister to listen and laugh as we share stories of family, work, and small personal disasters. We're We're not perfect, but but nobody nobody is. Welcome to Soul Sisters Podcast. We are on episode 10. Big 10? Big 1-0? Yes, double digits. Um, Last week on episode nine, we had an opportunity to interview Paige Tons. Paige touched on some um, aspects of stress management and different stressors that she lived through as a, a young athlete. And one of the things that Paige talked about was recruiting and the whole recruiting process and how stressful that was to her um, wanting to play at the highest level possible and not necessarily getting all of the looks that she wanted. So we're going to touch a little bit on recruiting today. Right, right. I can't wait to hear and learn actually from you, Tara, because I don't know the rules and regulations to recruiting now as it was about 25 years ago. But we could go back to when we were being recruited and kind of start there. Well, I think it's funny because you actually just said before we started this that your 12-year-old son asked, when does the recruiting process start? Right. And it's crazy because it actually does start for some people at that age. Right, and we talked to Paige a little bit, Mm -hmm. and she touched upon the fact that there are 11- and Mm 12-year-olds that are verbally committing to colleges. And when I had mentioned that to someone in in passing conversation, they had said, oh, I thought they can't have any contact with coaches. So we could talk about those rules as well. And the the rules are so different for every level and every sport, even like the difference between football and a basketball or a swimming or things like that. The rules are different at the higher levels. Um, But those kids that are committing when they're 11 and 12 years old, one, how do they know First of all, how do they have any idea what they're going to go to school and study and if that school is going to have that kind of major? And then think about how many times you change your mind from 11 years old to 18 years old. Oh, my gosh. I think I would say every six months. Like as a parent, how are you? Especially a female. I would say once a month (laughs) if there's a mind change. (laughs) Once you hit 12 years old. uh, Still when you're in your 40s. Right. (laughs) But how as a parent, too, like can you imagine if – like Lucas, okay, Lucas is a huge, huge Villanova fan, and I bet you he will go to Villanova, but right. he's talking about the academic side of Villanova, which, okay, you can understand that. But if Lucas came to you and said, you know what, the golf coach from Villanova saw me golf and said, I'm going to give you a scholarship if you commit to us right now, what would you say to that? I honestly don't think I would know what to say because, again, at that age, you didn't even experience high school, let alone think about what you're going to do in college. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and, and I think it changes. Like I know for both of us, like I wanted to go to California mm-hmm. and be a professional cheerleader. <laughs> My dreams were always to go away. And then I ended up staying home. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave once I went through high school and it came down to it. I was like, I'm not going anywhere and stayed here and went to Lackawanna. And you really did. I feel like you, like you were very set with, I know I'm going to stay home. I right. know what I'm going to do where I kind of was like, I want it to go to the highest level possible. And I, I don't know why. Right. Um, looking back on it, I wish I had made some different decisions um, because I think that I made I made decisions, and we, I see it now as a coach, based on I want to be at this big-name program and I want to be a part of this big-name program and thinking that I was going to go in there and be able to do exactly what I did at Little Dunmore. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Right. Um, so I think that there's so many different things to take into account when you're going through this process that a lot of times parents don't realize it and and definitely a lot of the the student athletes don't realize it right but But, as and as a parent 
you want your kids to succeed and reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. So some parents might be thinking like, yeah, that's great, like the big name school, and then not realizing the responsibility that comes with the big name school. Yeah, and think about when the, the day and age, like the era that we went through the recruiting process, there, there wasn't enough education, there wasn't enough people educating us on the different schools and the different levels and the academic side of things. Like I see it so differently now having been at a division three school. And when I started at D- division three, I started in admissions. And I think that mm-hmm. really helped me understand the college, not athletic recruiting process, just the college recruiting process in general, right. being able to understand how to talk about financial aid, because you, if you're not getting a scholarship, you've got to be able to educate parents on the cost of college right? and how to, how to afford college and, and the loans you're gonna to have to take out, the difference between loans and grants. And I think having worked in admissions helped me tremendously understand that whole process a lot better. Right. Um, explaining it to parents and kind of getting them to grasp that concept is sometimes difficult, but to do that with a 12 year old, oh my, no, I, I can't even. make that life decision. And then as a, as a coach, you're looking at a 12-year-old that hasn't fully matured yet. Mm-hmm. What if when they get to 15 or 16, their character's awful, they have no values, they have no morals. Um, and they stop growing. And they stop growing, or they, they, they start eating a lot more, and they gain weight, and they're mm-hmm. out of shape. How, like, are you gonna hold up your end of the bargain? Right, and how is, does that, is that like that verbal commitment is? Verbal commitment to me means nothing. zero. Right. Like, and, and especially for us at the Division three level, it means nothing until they actually pay their deposit and they're on campus. Right. Um, e- even the paid deposits sometimes, it's $300. Yeah. What, what some families can just say, hey, you know what? Take it. Take it, and we, we're getting something else. Now, at the higher levels, it's a little bit different. You make your verbal commitment, it might mean a little bit more, but you have to sign on that line. When you sign on that line, that's a commitment. Right, it's a contract. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to your recruiting process, because mm-hmm. I, at that time, was very young, seventh mm-hmm. and eighth grade, as you were going through it. So. I, of course, wanted you to go to the bigger school because in my eyes, it was more fun. <laughs> but go back to, um, you know, when you were in high school going through the process. I don't, I really don't even know how everything got started. Like, I could remember probably as like, like, a, so- like as a sophomore or junior, maybe going to a Kathy Rush camp, mm-hmm. which we went to all the time, and starting to get some letters from different schools. And I think at that point, it was like, hey, you know what, I, I can do this. And mm-hmm. there's schools that are in, so, showing interest. And I have a box that mommy and daddy kept because they keep everything, mm-hmm. boxes of letters from schools that like, like unre- unbelievable all over the country, Cal, UCLA, mm-hmm. Princeton. I'm Princeton, I would have never gotten into Princeton. But right. it's still <laughs> like you're, you're looking at all these schools thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. Right. Um, but then getting into your, my junior year, I think I got really a lot more serious about it. I started getting, that's when Penn State started coming into the mix. They were number one in the country. They were a big Nike school, a mm-hmm. big football school, and this area is a diehard Penn State area. Right. Um, so I started really getting excited about that opportunity. Um, and then from that point, I, I started narrowing everything down to five schools that I wanted to visit. Because at the time, and I honestly don't know the rules for Division One right now, but at the time, you could take five official visits. So over the summer, we started doing some unofficial visits. We went to Notre Dame. We went to Seton Hall, um, Villanova, which still to this day, I think mommy is upset with right. me that I didn't go there. Yes, but she's um, going to live through Lucas. Yes, Lucas. yes. Um, and St. Joe's and Penn State were my five schools, all completely different types of schools, different academic schools, different size schools. Um, and 
the, the, I can remember vividly, we were at the practice for the Keystone Games, Daddy and I sitting in, in his little office in the high school, and he's taping mm-hmm. my ankle, and the coaches from Seton Hall were at the practice to watch me. And I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to Penn State. And he looked at me, and he was like, what? And I said, Rini, the coach, Rini Portland at the time, had called me the night before from Japan, and I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool. She called me from Japan. Right. And um, I said, I, that's where I'm going to go. And those coaches were sitting out there waiting for like waiting to watch me practice. And it was um, – but I, I, I totally made the decision based on it was Penn State right. and for the school. And I didn't – at that time, I wasn't worried about what I wanted to do academically. I had no care in the world. That was my goal was to play at the highest level. And you know what's interesting about that? Because even now when you talk to seniors in mm-hmm. high school, they base a lot of their decisions – on the same thing of where they want to go. So they're going into it. Like they don't even know if, if like you said, like mm-hmm. if they have the major that they want. And according to, you know, different research that I've heard that's been mm-hmm. done, I remember hearing that a lot of freshmen drop out of college mm-hmm. because they choose their college based on the name, the in the interest of going to like a bigger school like mm-hmm. Penn State and then getting there and not being able to get into their major mm-hmm. or finding out that, they don't even have that college doesn't even have their major mm-hmm. so i think it's funny that you say that because that's it's not only in sports that you know the how you based your mm-hmm. decision off that i think a lot of people base their decision off just this you know ideal idealism of what university they want to yeah. go to and what their life looks like instead of thinking about again how much it's going to cost what your student loans mm-hmm. are going to look like in the end and you know what if what your degree if you're going to be able to get a career after that so it's it's interesting because i think that mm-hmm. when you say student athlete you have to think about being a student, student first, first. Mm-hmm. and you know what another another decision maker and we get this a lot too they choose to go to a school where their boyfriend or girlfriend goes yes and you try the best you can to be supportive and you try to say okay that that's that's great but how many like I wish somebody would do a, a study on what the percentage is of those people that choose a school based on their their boyfriend or their girlfriend are actually with that same person right after those four years of school right so like you have you have people that hey my boyfriend's going to uh, a, a school in Connecticut I'm gonna go to school there right and, and you really had all these other goals and dreams that you're not paying attention to mm-hmm. and you're doing it based off that so there's so many so many deciding factors um, that, that people have to take into account. But if I was giving advice to people as you're being recruited, and not just from a, not just from an athletic standpoint, not just from a basketball standpoint, you've got to do your research based mm-hmm. on what, what are some of the things that you're, you're interested in studying? What, list, list two or three different things that you might, you might choose as a career path and make sure that those schools have all of those majors or look into liberal arts colleges. Right. Do your research on the cost. Do your research on the financial aid process, um, how much aid is given at, at, at those schools, um, what's the, the discount rate at those schools. Mm-hmm. Um, visit the schools it, it, over the summer. They have right. all, all these colleges have open houses over the summer. Go to the open houses. See the campus. Um, it, it, in terms of an athletic standpoint, I will never forget Coach Strong from the University of Scranton sat me down when I was making my decision, and he said to me, Think about you played for a male your entire life. Mm-hmm. Played for daddy. He said, think about when you're going to college, if you choose to go play for a female, you're going to have a completely different experience that you're right. not accustomed to. And I never thought about that. And then I got there and it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was necessarily that it was because it was my dad, but it, it really was a different experience. Right. Guys handle things a little bit differently than women mm-hmm. do. Um, 
So I, w I wish I had listened to his his advice a little bit better when I went through that process. Right. Um, and I guess another piece of advice would be ask questions. Reach out to people that, that have done this and have been through it. Been through the, the process. Right. Um, there's so many people, if you're talking about an athletic standpoint, there's so many people in our area that have played at all different levels mm -hmm. and have had successes, have had struggles. Right. Talk to them and ask them, you know, what are some things, what's, what's some things that they would have done differently or what are some things about the process that they enjoyed? Right. And, and we do talk about that often about the different levels, mm -hmm. that there is a, a place for everyone to play and what you could accomplish at the different levels. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we know like, you know, Jeannie Wozniak, she was phenomenal mm -hmm. at Del Valley, yep. you know, played division three and had a great career. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know, and there's people that play D2, you know, uh, Kathy McGuire, yep. same thing. Great D2 career player. player. Mm -hmm. So you look, you look at players, too, that played for Daddy, like Jess Jenko. She, she was undersized. She was a smaller guard that not as many schools looked at. She went to mm -hmm. Northeastern and had an unbelievable career, and she's going to Italy to play. Right. So it, it's, it's about finding the right fit. It's not necessarily about saying, I want to play at so-and-so school because they're the best school or they're the fun, the fun school or they're – it's finding a fit too, right. mm -hmm. at all levels, and even going back to the recruiting process. So my experience was a little bit different because I had watched you go through that. So, in my mind, going into my junior senior year, like I put a lot of pressure on myself because mm -hmm. I, you know, I knew the process, getting the letters. I would get excited about mm -hmm. the letters, and when I was at camp going into my senior year, mm -hmm. and I was supposed to go to Manhattan, I mm -hmm. had Manhattan there at camp to see me and. You know, I was all set on, you know, that was where I wanted to mm -hmm. be in New York City. And it twisted my ankle. Mm -hmm. So then I couldn't perform. Yep. And in the end, you know, Manhattan, they offered someone else a scholarship mm -hmm. that was playing. So I was kind of like left where, oh, jeepers. Like I put all my eggs in one basket thinking yeah. I was going to get this offer. So the reason that I stayed locally, you know, talking to the coach from Lackawanna, mm -hmm. two-year school, I was able to get a full scholarship, so I knew that I didn't have to pay back any loans, and I could stay home, and I had two extra years to make my decision. Mm -hmm. Then when it came to my sophomore year, I knew I still knew I didn't mm -hmm. want to go far, but when we had talked about me leaving East Strasburg, mm -hmm. I was not on scholarship. When I went to East Strasburg, she did not offer me a scholarship. I walked on. Mm -hmm. Had I been offered a scholarship, maybe I would have stayed and had to suck it up. Mm -hmm. But even at the D3 level, I'm sure you get that a lot, too. Mm -hmm. When people are not on scholarship, they they don't feel as uh, that responsibility no. to perform for you. Yeah. So they feel that, well, if I'm going to miss practice. It doesn't matter. It's not like they're mm -hmm. holding a scholarship over my head. Yeah, and I think every, pro every program is different, and I think it depends on you know the, the tradition of the program, mm -hmm. the culture of the program. Um, and that's that's at every level, but two. But um, right. Division three is so different. You're right because you, it is the it's student athlete, mm -hmm. and I, it should be like that at every level, but it's not. Right. I, I mean, it, it it's the the higher levels. It's right. It's more of a and job. I'm and seeing a lot. About that. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of people saying, okay, it is a job, mm -hmm. but in return, you're getting a full scholarship. Very true. So now people are putting out the question: Should college athletes be paid? I you don't, are being paid. They right, are being paid. You are. You're, you're being paid. You're, you're being mm -hmm. paid by, by getting a free education. And it's funny because we were at a camp last week, a STEM camp, and one of the welding camp counselors, mm -hmm. we went over to see their camp, and he was this big guy. And he was talking about, he ended up, he was actually from, he went to Lackawanna when I was there. I didn't okay. know that. He had all these D1 offers for college, and mm -hmm. he really didn't know if he wanted to go away, so he went to Lackawanna, and then he went and played 
uh, college football at King's, and he used, he said, I used my athletics to get me an education. Like, he looked at it from the mm -hmm. fact that he got his education for free because he was an athlete. Was an athlete. So he used that as a tool to not have college loans. Mm -hmm. And now he, you know, he's this big guy and he's saying like, go get your hands dirty and learn how to weld and trade, mm -hmm. learn how to do some trades because that's something that people can't take away from you. Mm -hmm. I just thought, wow, like there's this big football player telling these kids, mm -hmm. you know, go into trade school and look at that and mm -hmm. you could still go play football or yeah. go play college athletics, but use it as a tool to get your education for free. Whereas all these kids, Mm -hmm. We're seeing them put so much pressure on themselves to perform because they feel the end result is that final championship game. Like they're not even looking mm -hmm. at like, oh, I want to go to school to get an education. I don't have to pay back college loans. Mm -hmm. They're looking at it. I want the championship. I want mm -hmm. that medal around or, my neck. Or I want to say I went, I went to this to, school. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the bet. And they're and okay so, with, mm -hmm. right, not even playing, mm -hmm. but just to say that they're at the school. Mm -hmm. I, I've had conversations now with, with some recruits for – for next year's class and that's one of the first things I say hey what are your goals is your goal to play at a higher level so that you could say you went to a higher level to get a scholarship or is your goal to go somewhere where you're going to be able to make an impact have a chance to play and have an opportunity to get better while also being able to be involved in all these different things on campus and mm -hmm. get a great education right and it, it's it's funny the different answers that you get from from these athletes right and I think a lot of it is what are they being taught at home? Mm -hmm. What are they being taught in school? What are they being taught by their coaches, mm -hmm. their high school coaches, their club team coaches? What's the message that they're receiving? Is it that, hey, you know what? You should be playing at this level. Yeah. Well, ask why, why do you think I should be right. playing at that level? What What is the... Or do you feel that you're too good for this level? Exactly. And I, and I think mm -hmm. as a parent, you know, having the conversation with my own kids because they do, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to tell them, no, you can't play at Villanova. Mm -hmm. Listen, dream big. I want, I would love to see Lucas play at Villanova. Mm -hmm. Molly wants to follow in your footsteps, of mm -hmm. course, and go play at Penn State. But it will come down to the fact that we're going to say, well, where are you getting the most money? And is it still going to be fun? And that's something we talked to Paige mm -hmm. about, too. You know, you don't want them to have this stress put on them at while, and getting their, while they're getting their education mm -hmm. And then hate the sport mm -hmm. because there's so much pressure in it. Well, and think about the other part about how different it is and something you have to take into account. You mentioned the money. Mm -hmm. When we were going to school, think about the difference oh, in the I cost know. of tuition compared to where it is now, 20 right. years later. So, yeah, for, for parents now, that's a major, major decision-making decision factor. Would you mm -hmm. agree? Oh, definitely. Like, it, it, if you're looking at you're looking at two different schools and one school is ten thousand dollars cheaper per mm -hmm. year, that's forty thousand dollars over right. the four years in school. That's a that's a big difference. Whether whether your son or daughter wants to go to that other school, it's it's hard to say. All right, well we're gonna fork out forty thousand more dollars, or you're gonna take out forty thousand dollars more in loans to be able to say you went to that school. What's the reason right. behind it? Is it right. a major? Is it now? In in there is. I mean, there's certain certain schools are have specialty majors that you have to say, you know what, I have to suck it up. Take mm -hmm. Look at Jan Golden, right? Right. Oh, I yeah, mean, she's I mean, Jan, very she's successful very at Moravian College mm -hmm. and still has that relationship with her coach mm -hmm. and her teammates, goes back there. Yeah, that's a great And she's a successful example. doctor now, and, mm -hmm. and I mean, she, she's, she's done so many great things, and she chose the right school, and she did it both for academically and athletically, and she was right. able to get the best of both worlds. Right. And it's funny, even going back to the letters, because Lucas had mentioned to me in conversation about when does the recruiting process start, you know, he asked about the letters. 
and I do see people post about like the letters that they're getting from different colleges. And I even remember getting the letters and thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, like at first, like, wow, this is great. And then, you know, daddy would kind of say like, do you know how many letters that they send out a day? Mm -hmm. You know, like those introductions, Mm -hmm. like, hey, like we saw you play here, like those. And I'm sure you would be able to know more about Mm -hmm. this as a coach coming from the coach's aspect or coach's point what the process is like yeah you you go and see teams play if you have any interest in them you send out a letter mm-hmm. but that letter is not saying like no. oh we're gonna recruit yeah. you well, for a division one scholarship it might be like oh we saw you play you mm-hmm. did great and kind of an introductory, that open door. Right. introductory letter and back in the day it was typed right it was like on a typewriter yes. and then it went to it went to computer paper mm-hmm. but now it's an email oh interesting and i, and I don't know how many coaches i, I mean i send i send handwritten notes to, to those recruits that are our top recruits because right. I still think old school and I think that that makes somebody feel more important. And I think right. when we went through the process, if you go back and you look through your letters, do you still have your letters? I don't know. They might have they brought mine away. <laughs> but I still have mine. And when I when they gave them back to me, I went through them all just to right. like kind of reminisce. And I found one from Connecticut. And it's Chris Daly, who's still the associate head coach now at Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And it was a handwritten note. And I thought it was sealed. And I'm like, I didn't open this. Oh, my god! I didn't open this handwritten note. But, like, to get a typed-up letter is one thing. But right. when you get handwritten notes from a right. school, you know they have interest because they actually took the time to sit right. down and do that. But nowadays, it's emails and texts, and it's just so different. It's so – the the face-to-face contact isn't right. the same. It's so and, informal. Um, but, but the other part of it is – uh, and I see this uh, as a as a Division three coach. These kids want you at everything. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things going on, and they expect you at every single tournament they're playing at. And there could be thousands of kids playing in the tournament, but they know if you were there. And it gets to a point where, like, how many times you have to go see people right. to people play for them to understand that you, you're you interested in them. And right. it's so it's I just can't so even different. imagine, though, going through that process and heavily recruiting someone and – being so close and then Let me tell them you, making a it's like a relation it's <laughs> literally we talk about this all the time as coaches it's like having your heart broken in a relationship especially right. when you get you get so invested like you start in uh, july or august of the year prior to their senior year and you're talking to them and you're going to their games you get to know their families and right. now that i'm at the their the age of their parents you get to know their parents and right. you become close to their parents and then they they text you or they email you and say they're going to another school. Mm-hmm. You're like, I put all this time and effort right. into talking to you and and talking to you after games and helping you and recruiting you and you emailed me or you texted me. Right. It it really is like a relationship. I, I was gonna it's say it's awful. I, I bet you probably have to even like put some boundaries up. Mm-hmm. It it's it's like, well the the, the texting and all that kind of stuff. It. it most of them are pretty good about it, right. but like, there's some that you get involved with. Like, I, and I don't think she cares that I'll talk about this. But Gab Giordano and I, all her, through her junior and senior year, she would text me like after every game, and we would talk about every game. Right. And like, we had that relationship. So if Gab never came to play right. for me, I don't. I would have been heartbroken because right. we had developed such a good relationship, talking about basketball and talking about confidence and right. building building confidence and everything. So, yeah, you get very very invested in this. I so. can't even imagine going through that but I just can't like we we, we started out talking about like how young it starts I, mm-hmm. I can't even at my level I can't th- I can't think that far like right, right now we talk about we're recruiting the class of 2020 and I don't go past that right and there's people that email me the class of 2024 and I'm like put that in a folder 
Yeah. Because that is just, it's way too far in advance. But those higher levels, they're sitting at games. I saw Shanette at, uh, down in D.C. last week from Villanova, and she was staying for the second round of the tournament that was like 15-year-old, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids. Wow. So that level is starting on those kids already. Right, because they have they to. Have to. They have to. They have to get a, a leg. If one team is, if one coach is doing mm-hmm. it, I think they that you feel the pressure that you have to. Yeah, and you should see all of the, the Division One schools that were there to see those young kids. Wow. But the impact that it has on those kids, I can't even imagine being right. recruited at 13 years old. That's just, that's scary. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I think you offered some great tip for, you know, what you should do during the recruiting process from a coach's point and somebody that went through it. And again, you know, from a parent Mm -hmm. of uh, young children, I would just tell them the same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and I do tell them that when we talk about schools that they want to go to, you know, looking at the the majors, the how much the cost is going to be. And then in the end, you know, what they're going to have to pay back in Mm -hmm. student loans, they need to know the realistic Mm -hmm. outcome to the decisions that they're going to make and you know that responsibility that comes with being a student athlete and or an athlete slash student (laughs) at some higher levels because you know you you are doing kind of your coursework on the road and it comes Mm -hmm. with more responsibility nowadays with all cyber school i'm sure Mm -hmm. a lot of the athletes are doing a lot of classes oh, that are if it's yeah. if it's an online class i'm sure the coaches are, mm-hmm. are saying recommending those over going and sitting in a class because they yeah. can work practice, practice around that mm-hmm. and travel so if you guys have any questions uh we would love to hear from you hit us up on the web at soulsisterspodcast.com or follow us on your favorite social media platform at soulsispod um, and if you have any other questions or anything about the recruiting process or anything that we've talked about that we could offer any sort of insight to you uh, yes i do i do work at wilkes university but i would i would not push that school on anyone i would help anybody that has any sort of questions at, about the recruiting process at any of those levels right and so hit us up and we will try to do our best to find you the right answers and point you in the right direction because we have a lot of connections still from our <laughs> camp days and recruiting we process do. from 25 years ago and remember we're not perfect but nobody is <laughs>